There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. Well, all I can say is at my age, any change is like traumatic. You know, just trying to figure out how I'm going to schedule my day now has proven to be challenging. In some ways, it's so cool, and I'm so excited about it. And then in other ways, you know, I just, um, I'm a creature of habit. So I've got to refine, you know, change some of my habits. I still get up at 5.15 in the morning, but now that gives me a huge expanse of time that I usually have to do things. So I kind of miscalculated a few things today, but I'll I'll figure this out. And I must admit, it was... uh, it was uh, kind of nice to hear Dan Bongino talking about how happy he is that he's live now on 850 WFTL. He gave us a shout out, called it his hometown station. And then he said, coming up afterwards is Joyce Kaufman. So uh, who I got nothing to complain about, right? So welcome to the new time. Welcome to what I promise will be the pretty much uh, the authentic Joyce Kaufman show only perhaps in some ways, it really does give me an opportunity to put together some things that I couldn't possibly have done at noon. You have to understand, for the most part, I don't need to do guests. Um, I believe that people turn on this show to hear me, and it's only an hour, so it's not like I really, you gotta be good if I'm gonna put you on my show. You know, I will put on guys like um, Representative uh, Mike Waltz will be on this week. Of course, Representative Brian Mast, one of my mainstays, he'll be on this week. Everybody's kind of like welcoming me into this new time slot. So they'll all be with me and, uh, and some other special people uh, who basically just want to admit that for them, it's a whole lot better. You know, for most of the members of Congress, 12 o'clock is not the most convenient time on earth. Three o'clock, a little more. Uh, they may be in and out of uh, session, but uh, they'll be able to, to figure something out, as will I. So when I look at some of the news that came across the wire this weekend, I just, all I can do is roll my eyes. I'm sure you all feel the same way as I do. There's just something intrinsically wrong with the country. The direction this country is heading right now is just frightening. And I know I'm not alone in saying that or in thinking that, You're all feeling it. And I don't even know where to begin. I mean, the first subject, of course, is the idea that we don't know what's going to happen come the election in 2024. We're really kind of grasping at straws to figure out how this is going to play out. Now, first and foremost, the Turning Point USA conference was this weekend, And they had like every high profile person in the universe from all of the Republican candidates 
to a number of personalities and media types, and and that's all fine and dandy. I I think Charlie Kirk has certainly taken that organization from zero to 100 in in unbelievable uh, short time. It's youthful. uh, It's energetic. And judging by the uh, turnout, uh, these are conservative young people who really need to be given a chance to take over for all of the you know, rhinos and conservatives that have dominated the space. These are the people who will be on the front lines going forward. And it seems to me that Donald Trump has a unique ability to tap into them, even though there are other candidates who are much closer in demographics, like Vivek Ramaswamy and and even Ron DeSantis. These are young people. These are people who should be hitting all the right subject matters when it comes to talking to millennials and young people, Gen Xs, whatever the heck you call these people. And yet it's Donald Trump who gets them all fired up. And, and that's what I love about the guy. I really do. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't even matter what your politics are, never mind what your demographic is. If you're a person who is sick and tired of, you know, uh, waxed dummies for men, you know, men that are afraid to stand up and be counted, men that, uh, you know, spend as much time in front of a mirror as their wives do, men who worry incessantly about their image, then, you know, then, then Donald Trump's not for you. But if you're anything like me, and I believe a lot of people are, particularly a lot of young people, you're looking for somebody who's not afraid. This swamp has got to be drained. And you cannot drain it, or drain it, or drain it for that matter, with a teaspoon. Man, you need one of those uh, devices that they come in and when your house is flooded, they have that wet vac that just sucks up all the moisture and then they start running the fans. That's what Washington needs. Donald Trump's a Hoover. Let's face it, right? And, and he tried and he started. He was in the right direction. Maybe could have finished it in the second term, but he certainly deserves a chance to finish it. Because I'll tell you right now, I looked at, uh, you know, the Tucker Carlson uh, Republican, whatever it was called, I don't know, forum. And I looked at all of the candidates who were there and uh, they can't do it. Those are not people who can drain the swamp. I'm sorry. You know, now, Ron DeSantis shows great promise. There's no question about it. He will be a, he won't become a swamp creature. He'll buck the swamp, but just not just not strong enough yet. Strong enough for Florida, maybe strong enough for uh, many other states, but not strong enough to lead this nation and to walk into that cesspool that Washington has become and confront the people who have been making the mess. Now, you know, he said in an interview recently that the biggest mistake he made was in bringing people into his cabinet who he didn't know and who ended up being awful. 
Now, it's not that the people themselves were awful, but some of them were put in the wrong position. I mean, anybody who thought that they should have taken Jeff Sessions' desire to be attorney general seriously just didn't know Jeff Sessions, right? Because I know Jeff Sessions, and Jeff Sessions should have been the Department of Homeland Security. Things would be very different today. They would be because he would have gone along with the plan when it comes to securing the border. But instead, you know, he said he was an early supporter of Donald's and he wanted to be the attorney general. And Donald's a very loyal guy. So he put him in that position. Big mistake. Okay, you know, mistake for both of them. And I'm sure that uh, that in in a moment of of candor, even Jeff Sessions would admit that. Right. But this idea that there's anybody else. Look, Vivek Ramaswamy is a very interesting guy going to be a a particularly a potent kingmaker in the future. That's my opinion. Um, but he couldn't go into the swamp and drain it. There's no way. You know, he doesn't even know where the bodies are buried. Nikki Haley? Now, I'm not going to say anything that'll get me in trouble. But being a woman, I could probably get away with saying some things that everybody else is afraid to say. She is uh, She's one of these almost a Democrat. Republicans. She really is. You know, she, she, she took away the Confederate flag when she was a governor, you know, and she's constantly worried about identity politics and, you know, Trump. I, I don't want to hear that you're the first woman of whatever foreign nationality or, or color, person of color uh, to be uh, running in that position. You're not. But I'll tell you what you are. You're weak. I saw that in that forum. I definitely saw how weak uh, Governor Issa Hutchins was. I mean, stick a fork in him. Tucker Carlson just, you know, might mop the floor with him. There's no question that, that, that he's not up to the job. Just not. You probably could do better with the current governor. Sarah Huckabee Sanders would probably be a better <laughs> presidential candidate than Asa Hutchins. But don't worry, because he'll be gone soon. And then you have the, uh, the, the very nice man, Tim Scott. He's a very nice man. Cannot drain a swamp. No way. Wouldn't know a swamp creature from an alligator. Just not, not up to that task. Probably an adequate VP if he were alongside of a really strong presidential personality like a Donald Trump or even a, uh, you know, Ron DeSantis. I, I don't want to dismiss Ron DeSantis. I really don't, because the more the media goes after him, the more likely I am to believe he could do something. It's just he can't. He can't beat Donald Trump. You can't beat Donald Trump at being Donald Trump. Okay? And then that blowhard Chris Christie, oh, please. You know, I, I just, you know, go, um, go, go sit around with uh, Ann Coulter. And the two of you can bluster about, you know, how uh, Donald Trump was a terrible president because, you know, that's all you're good for at this point. Nobody cares. And maybe you're just going to make it into the debates. And maybe if you keep taunting Donald Trump, people will think more of you. But look, there's nobody out there in the universe who thinks that Donald Trump has to participate in a uh, debate forum with any of these guys. We already know what a Trump presidency will look like. And you're either with him or you're against him. That's all. 
You're not going to change your mind in a debate forum. Plus, he might destroy some of you in a manner that you don't want to be destroyed. He, he could ruin your political future. He did it to certain people. Oh, and then Mike Pence. I almost forgot. Mike Pence, who, who really could not bring himself to say, well, it wasn't an insurrection. It wasn't an insurrection, Mike. It was a protest gone awry. And we're still not sure if it went awry because there were so many federal agents that were in there leading it awry. So you, you should have you butched up, Mike. But because you didn't, you're now toast. So now you really are back down to only uh, two potential candidates. And that's pretty amazing when you think about it. You know, Nikki Haley was the first one to announce, uh, mark my words, she'll be the first one to leave this race. Not a gut feeling, insider information. Tim Scott, nice guy, might want to hang in so he can get a VP nod. Not sure if that's his plan. He hasn't said no. You know, DeSantis, of course, has said no, but that wouldn't work anyway. So we'll see. This is going to be a fight to the finish. Uh, I guess Ron DeSantis is really glad now that he forced the Republican legislature here in Florida to say that you could remain the governor even while you were running for president because that's what you're going to end up being is the governor. Okay? Just, 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 uh, just so you know. I haven't changed my position on this, but I do think that uh, there are ways that Ron could recoup his shattered imagery. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, and I'm just going to hold on to that, keep it under my, my vest, so to speak, because I don't want to give them any ideas. Because, of course, everybody monitors our programs. They just do, especially here in Florida. But anyway, um, this is the new time period. Coming up after me will be Eric Erickson. How's that for a surprise? He'll be on at 4 o'clock. So, you know, today's a premiere for him as well on this station. Well, it's not actually my premiere. It's just my premiere in this spot. And then Eric will be coming on board. And then we'll continue with Joe Pags, Lars Larson, Red Eye Radio, all that good stuff until the morning crew gets back. And thank God, the morning crew now does the three hours from six to nine so that they can actually breathe. And Brian Kilmeade will, become, will be coming on live at 9 a.m. He'll run till 12. Dan Bongino will come on live at 12. And then I will be the, uh, what do they call it? The cleanup hitter at four o'clock. We're at three o'clock. At four o'clock, it'll be Eric Erickson. Give me a minute. I'll catch on. It just, uh, it takes what it takes. In the meantime, I got three segments left. Stay right where you are. Oh, boy, I'll tell you what. And if they're not talking about how hot it is, right, they're talking about the stock market. And, you know, one would think that everything was okay in the world the way we fixate and focus on those things. 
now we have a, a news story. And look, I have to talk about this because I have no expertise in what it is that the Secret Service actually does other than to say I know they defend or to protect the president and they protect um, congressional leadership and they protect the justices in the Supreme Court. Um, that's about all that I know. Now, of course, Dan Bongino's on ahead of me was a Secret Service agent for over a decade. So he knows everything about him. And he is convinced that there's no way they didn't get a fingerprint or a palm print, he now says, off of either the baggie or the cubby in this uh, cocaine case. And I don't need to be a Secret Service agent to know that he makes a very good point. And when you talk about how they've now f discovered who the uh, killer was for these serial killings up in Long Island, New York, after many, many years, based on, you know, picking up the, some DNA off of some pizza box or something. I mean, come on, guys. Surely, if you've ever watched an episode of Criminal Intent, they have laboratories at the uh, FBI, certainly, which is working with the Secret Service on this case, where they can pick up anything off of just about anything. And certainly, there's no way that somebody transports white powder into the White House, and they're willing to just say, well, it's no big deal. We're just going to keep moving on. It just wouldn't happen that way. So I'm convinced, as was Dan Bongino in the previous uh, program, that they know who it was and that for some reason, they're just going to keep that real close to the chest. Now, I'm going to try and give them the benefit of the doubt and say the reason they're keeping it real close to the chest or to the vest, or whatever the right uh, colloquialism is, because they're putting together a legal case, and they don't want to tip their hand, um, that would be the best case scenario, right? Unfortunately, though, I tend to believe it's because they're probably covering up for somebody. Now, who that somebody could be, your guess is as good as mine. Well, actually, your guess is probably better, because I'm biased, you know. <laughs> I guess you are, too. The big news over the weekend, though, for me, and probably for many people out there in my listening audience, had to do with this news report that there was a, a new Alzheimer's drug that has more than just shown promise. And if you have ever had a relative, in my case, my mother, suffer with Alzheimer's disease, not only was it a living nightmare for her and for her family. But it was also the beginning of fear for her children, you know, for my brother and I. Because, of course, we think there's a genetic component and we certainly uh, have to be cautious. I get very nervous when I'm forgetful, even though everybody's forgetful at this age and I do all kinds of mental exercises to make sure that I'm keeping my brain in tip-top shape. But I'm looking at this report this weekend, and this is the first time that I have seen anything get the kind of attention that it's getting. You know, I talk all the time about how I don't understand how after all this time of dealing with this illness, we haven't come up with a drug. But we haven't. And now they're saying, well, perhaps... We actually have. Eli Lilly has announced they're starting a full clinical trial for a drug, donanimab. What I can't even pronounce it, donanimab. 
and they were at a conference in Amsterdam and the drug is taken as a monthly infusion into the bloodstream for 18 months and they're saying it will slow mental decline by 36%. It did that in phase three trials. What happens is, again, here we go. It works by targeting and removing clusters of the uh, amyloid protein in the brain. You know, I did a whole show, a whole No Restraint podcast on the, fa on the fact that we're going in the wrong direction when it comes to Alzheimer's because we've been talking about these deposits of amyloid, these protein deposits in the brain for decades now. And that doesn't seem to be getting us anywhere. So we continue down that same path in these clinical trials. And, you know, I really feel as though they could have done better. They have not had a new drug for Alzheimer's in like, I don't know, 20 years? So let's see, my mother is gone uh, 13 years now. And the same drugs that they were using for my mother are the same drugs they're using now. So it's at least 13 years that they've been using the same drugs with, to no avail. Doesn't reduce the uh, rapid deterioration of the brain. Nothing. So now we're going to see. I mean, all I know is it's time for people to really start pressuring the medical community. We should have answers for Alzheimer's by now. We should have more answers for cancer. We've come pretty far in fighting cancer. You know, there are some forms of cancer which we now know are no longer death sentences. And that's a good thing. But for goodness sake, after all the money that we've poured into this kind of research, I mean, you came up with a vaccine for COVID in what, 18 months? But in 18 years, you can't come up with a solution for Alzheimer's? That doesn't, you know, that just doesn't compute in my mind. Sometimes I think that so much money is being made currently by the medical community and the big pharma that they'd rather have people terminally, chronically ill than not, which is really a terrible conspiracy theory, right? But hey, I told you a long time ago, I'm running out of conspiracy theories. They all end up being true. You must be running out of them too. All right, let me take a quick break. Don't forget that you can have the 850 app right on your phone. That way you can listen to my show whenever you want to. You don't have to wait till three o'clock if you get desperate. You know, you can listen to yesterday's show at noon if that makes you feel better. And you get all the news uh, streaming right to your phone. You can listen to all the shows and listen to all the podcasts. And you can join in our contest. We're giving away uh, Jupiter Lighthouse you get to go up to the top of the line. It's really a cool prize. Go to the website, 850wftl.com, or download our app. I'm going to take a quick break. I'll be right back. Hmm. Well, all I can say is it's going to take me a little while to readjust. Uh, apparently, the student loan forgiveness approval emails have been sent out. There's a new program, and... I'm trying to figure out who qualifies 
for this forgiveness program. Uh, it says more than 800,000 borrowers would see their debt eliminated thanks to fixes um, in this new program. Past errors made by loan service. Anyway, I'll send the article to everybody who should read it. Um, more incredibly, though, and I think this is where I always get in trouble. You know, when I try to second guess uh, what this administration is thinking or what they're doing, and part of my No Restraint podcast, this edition, has to do with Israel. Like, I, I, for the bottom of my heart, I don't understand why Joe Biden hates Israel the way he does. I really don't. It seems excessive. And even Barack Obama was not as awful, and he was pretty bad, but not as awful as Joe Biden ends it up being. First and foremost, to say that he refuses to invite the prime minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, to the White House is insulting enough. But then to say, well, don't worry, I invited Herzog. You know, Herzog has no power in Israel. He's just a, you know, like a figurehead. And he's not even like a, an important figurehead like the King of England is a figurehead. And so when Joe Biden disrespects our ally in the Middle East, it's really a poor showing for, for our country. And I'm not sure why he has this, this dislike for Israel. One would think that we are so grateful to Israel, first and foremost, for having a presence in a part of the world which is loaded with enemies of the United States. Whether it's the mullahs in Iran, or it's uh, you know Islamic Jihad, or uh, Syrian madmen. To have a democratic society in the center of all that, which really when you come right down to it, gives us as much as we give it, comes up with solutions. If, it, if there's going to be a cure for cancer or Alzheimer's, it'll probably have its genesis in Israel. That's just the truth. A lot of the technology comes out of Israel that helps me to operate this radio program or helps you to have a cell phone that actually completes a call. And now not only completes a call, but allows you access to information on the internet. It's pretty amazing. And yet, you know, we've got a president in the White House who, and, and the vice president, I mean, that's even the more scary part, right? They don't have a whole lot of uh, smarts between the two of them, right? President Trump, was talking on an interview with uh, Wayne Allen Root, who does some show called uh, On Real America's Voice. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. There's so many of these new sites and new, new uh, broadcasting venues that I just don't know. You know? But this one apparently um, is growing quickly. And during the course of the interview, Donald Trump said that uh, he's been holding back or remaining respectful for the sake of the office of the presidency. And then he went at it with such a, you know, the reason I love Donald Trump is because he says what I'm thinking so many uh, times. 
you know, people say that to me all the time. They'll come up to me in public and go, I'm so grateful for your show because you say the things that I'm thinking. Well, that's why I'm so grateful for Donald Trump because he says the things that I'm thinking. And he called President Joe Biden a very stupid person. Now, that's the uh, description of the president. It really is. This is a guy who is, he's a crook. He's a thief. He was selling his influence to foreign powers. Now, I can't even point to another person. Uh, Richard Nixon was a saint, should probably receive sainthood from the Vatican compared to Joe Biden and his family. You know, throughout his career, this guy has been a liar. He's been a plagiarist. He's, he's not very smart. I mean, I think it was Barack Obama himself who said, never underestimate Joe's ability to F things up. Only he used the word, right? And, and, and when you listen to Kamala Harris, who yesterday gave credit for giving the rainbow to the LGBT community, I'm like, I'm sitting there trying to figure out what is she talking about? First and foremost, you got half the pastors in America right now trying to take the rainbow back. I mean, for many of us believers, the rainbow was God's way of promising Noah that he'd never send the flood again. You know, here's the rainbow. Everything's gonna be okay. And then all of a sudden the rainbow became the symbol for the LGBT community. And most of us, you know, okay. You know, if you wanna wear rainbow colored t-shirts, wear your rainbow colored t-shirts, uh, you know. It, it. But now Kamala Harris is saying that Jesse Jackson is the person who's responsible for the Rainbow Coalition. What? Last time I checked, isn't he the Reverend Jesse Jackson? Yeah, kind of like the Reverend Al Sharpton. They're reverends without a congregation or without a church, you know. Like Reverend uh, Warnick at least had a church, even though I'd love to know what kind of church it was when he's pro-choice. But hey, listen... I realize that I'm in the small minority, apparently, of people who believe that life is precious and should be preserved, and that as a follower of Jesus Christ, you don't believe that abortion's okay. Just just saying. But we got all these uh, preachers now who are part of the Rainbow Coalition, and thanks to Jesse Jackson. Kamala Harris, every time she opens her mouth, you know, I keep hoping that I'm going to be wrong and that she's not going to say something ridiculous. You know, like AI, it's just two initials. Um, no, that's not what we're saying. When we talk about AI, we're talking about artificial intelligence, which you know that's what it stands for. But you want us to minimize the importance of artificial intelligence? Why? Why would we do that? I guess maybe her hope is that they'll begin to use AI whenever she opens her mouth. They will actually have like some artificial intelligence way of superimposing statements that make sense coming out of her mouth. You know, maybe we could just send around like an AI version of the vice president. 
I guess that's the only reason she doesn't think we should take it too seriously because she's kind of hoping. Can you imagine if you're in Democrat leadership right now and you know that you've got a lot of problems trying to get Joe Biden over the hump, right? And and into a second term, right? I mean, you got to hope that uh, he returns to the basement. I mean, you got to hope a lot of things. You got to hope he doesn't, you know, implode um, or fall down and break his hip. I don't know, you know, and that he'll become a little more coherent. But let's say you say, okay, well, it's not going to be Joe Biden. They're going to pick somebody else. Well, how do they, how do they pick somebody else? Doesn't it sort of naturally fall to the vice president if she wants it? I mean, are the party of identity politics really going to tell the woman of color that she can't run? I can't see that happening. Can you? So, so yeah, how do they can't take her out? She's going to be the presumptive nominee if Joe Biden isn't, which would make RFK's day. That's all I'm going to say. But they don't really have anybody else, and we all know that. Pete Buttigieg can't win a, a national election. Gavin Newsom can't win a national election. You know, maybe in Indiana, Pete Buttigieg can win. Maybe in California or New York, Gavin Newsom can win, but that's it. You know, that then they're in trouble. So it's Biden or Harris. It would make me bolt that party for sure. You know, at least there's some actual merit on the Republican side. All right, don't forget, coming up at 4 o'clock today, the premiere of Eric Erickson right here on 850 WFTL. I have another segment left, though, so stay right where you are. So every now and again, you know, something happens that makes my heart sing, right? And the film Sound of Freedom, it's just, it's rocking the box office. For the second weekend, it grossed $6 million on Friday. It's now being shown at over 3,000 theaters across the country. And they, they predicted that the weekend numbers will be somewhere between 20 and $22 million dollars. So if this film ends this, you know, today, if they come out with numbers tonight with a gross of $81 million, then you can guarantee that this film is likely to break $100 million in gross receipts. Think about that. This is a film that didn't cost much to make and sat on the shelf and... and for yeah, of course now, Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning is coming out next weekend, so that's just going to blow everybody out of the uh, out of the ball game. But I gotta love the fact that Jim Caviezel, who keeps putting his career out there on the line, doing movies that people say will never be box office successes, I'm just glad for him. I really am. You know, this is a movie about the 300,000 children under the age of 18 that got lured into sex trafficking in the United States. We're the biggest consumers of child trafficking and pornography in the world. The home of the free, the land of the brave, right? This, this is pretty, pretty awful. You know, of course, Tim Ballard was the DHS special agent 
who uh, ended up quitting his job because he wanted to rescue children from sex trafficking in third world countries. And he founded this uh, group, Operation Underground Railroad. Now, I remember interviewing Tim Ballard. Oh, my gosh. It was before COVID. So it must have been probably at the very beginning of his uh, Operation Underground Railroad. And I don't even remember how I got a hold of him. I think it was through a, a former uh, Border Patrol guy that I knew who had gone into, had was working with the DHS temporarily and had met Tim Ballard and had signed on with him in this Operation Underground Railroad. It wasn't like his main thing, but he was doing special missions for him. And he had contacted me and said, you really got to talk to this guy and you really have to understand how awful this has become and how it is a major billion dollar industry. And he said, and the scary part is that, you know, the United States of America knows this is going on, is participating in it, and uh, no conversation is being held about it. Unbelievable. Um, he hoped, and the, the, all that he was trying to do was to get people to be aware of this going on. I don't think they were you know, worrying about making money with this movie or anything that, like that. And you know, he said, all he wants is for the moviegoers to leave the film with a new heart, a heart that's not afraid. He said, I was praying the other day and I said, can we love God's children more than we fear evil? Can we love Jesus more than we fear the cross? And this is the problem right now with modern day Christians is that we want the easy route. And right now you see the world changing. You're going to have to make a decision at some point, he said. There's good and there's evil. But a big part of that evil is those that are sitting on the fence and we have to make a choice. And some are more leaning towards faith, more towards good, and some are leaning towards the evil. But it's the ones that are on the faint fence that you got to change their hearts. So uh, you know, I, I just I'm I'm so grateful. I saw the film uh, weekend that it was out. I actually saw it on July third, and I urge everyone to see it. And if you can't afford to see it, they have free tickets available. People like me purchase. Uh, excessive excess tickets so that everyone gets to see this movie and it's important it's just time it's time for us to not you know the worst part about evil is those who don't speak out against it who turn their their back to it because that allows it to to flourish and to prosper so we don't want that you know certainly not in this not in this country so go see the movie if you haven't seen it yet and that's uh, pretty much <laughs> going to be it for me at my new time slot at 3 o'clock weekdays on 850 WFTL. If you are just uh, catching my show for the very first time, if you never were a listener at 12 o'clock, welcome on board. So glad to meet you and hope you'll make this a regular part of your weekdays at 3 o'clock. And, uh, and enjoy the whole new lineup as it is now being unveiled for the very first time today. You've got uh, the morning show from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. You've got Brian Kilmeade from 9 to noon. You've got Dan Bongino live from noon to 3. 
me at 3 o'clock. And at 4 o'clock, you're just about to hear for the very first time on 850 WFTL, Eric Erickson's show. So uh, what a great lineup. And I hope that uh, you will tell your friends about it. All right. So I thank you for your time this time. Until next time, my plan is to be right back here in front of this microphone at 3 o'clock tomorrow, if it be his will and he delays his coming. I have spoken with my son, Derek, and he will be joining me on Fridays here on the same, uh, on my show. So for all of you who emailed me and said, oh my God, what happens to Derek? Don't worry. Derek will make the time change with us. Now may God bless you and may God bless the United States of America. Come on, Eric Erickson. Here you go. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.